Welcome to the One Small Change podcast with me, Dr. Simon Chard. I'm a cosmetic dentist, public speaker and startup entrepreneur, but most importantly, I'm a lifelong disciple of self-improvement and optimization. In this podcast, we present conversations with world-class industry leaders, sharing their expertise in high performance, spirituality, business and health. It's my job to dissect their key behaviours, routines and mindsets so that you can implement them today to create balance and success in your life. Today's episode is brought to you by Enlightened Tooth Whitening. As a cosmetic dentist, I've used Enlightened to provide tooth whitening results for my patients since I qualified. And the reason that I always come back to Enlighten is they guarantee that B1 result that means my patients are always happy with the outcome. So if you're a dentist, I'd thoroughly recommend reaching out to Enlighten to do one of their free online training courses. And if you're a patient, have a chat with your dentist today about Enlighten Tooth Whitening or even look out for one of their regional centers of excellence. Let's get on with the show. So on today's show, we have the incredibly talented Mr. Matt Willis. Matt is synonymous with the hugely popular punk band Busted, uh, who I'm sure I speak for many millennials here when I say soundtrack my school years as a teenager. After Busted, Matt moved on to be a super successful solo artist, as well as launching the mega band McBusted with his friends from McFly. Uh, He was crowned the king of the jungle in I'm a Celebrity, and on top of this, now spends his time as an incredibly successful actor, both on the screen and on the stage. Uh, he also has his own podcast, Where No One's Watching, which he co-hosts with Matt Richardson. Um, and so we've got plenty to talk about with Matt today. Matt, how are you doing? Um, yeah, I'm really good, man. I'm really good. I'm, I'm really, really good. I sometimes forget about the jungle. Like It's only, it's only when, when, when it comes up every year that I go, oh, yeah, I did that. I forgot about that. I didn't know that about you until I until I did my research for this um, for this talk. So I'm I'm sure we'll, I'm sure we'll get on to that later on. But how yeah. have you been coping with with the pandemic and everything? Um, do you know what? I mean, it's it's if I'm honest, I found this one tougher. This lockdown has been a been been a bit tough because I got a taste of um, of of things going back to normal a little bit you know like um like i had a theater job and we were running up to christmas we were doing um a christmas carol um in the run up to christmas and um and the and the to be honest when when it when the job first came up i was like yes but it ain't gonna happen you know and then before i knew it we were like two days before rehearsal i was like oh my god right okay i need to learn these lines you know, I kind of, I, I kind of didn't really anticipate it happening, and then um, so then you know we kind of got the show up and running, and we opened, and we did eleven shows and we got shut down. You know, so it was like, and then we're in lockdown again, and Christmas happened, and but you know, so it was just like, it was. Um, I found that quite a tough period, tougher than I thought I would, because um, I don't know, I'm a doer, you know, and I'm and I'm I kind of um, and I find. Um, I don't know. I, I love acting so much. I love being able to do what I do. To taste that again and then know that I had jobs coming up in February, March, April, which were probably going to get taken away again. I was like, oh, God, you know, so it was um, it was tougher, this one, I think. But um, but, you know, once again, it's about going right. Control what I can control. This is out of my hands. You know, um, um, uh, I, I cannot control the situation. What can I control? you know, and that's what I can do, you know, so it's about, it was, um, 
but there was a, there was a couple of weeks where I was, <laughs> you know, I wasn't able to quite grasp that mindset again for a little while, and I had to have a serious word with myself and kind of spend some time and go right, well, what's going on here, you know, and um, yeah, and, you know, and a little bit of a reset, and then it's like right, control the situation. How can you control your situation, and and then you know we move on. Yeah, I mean, it, it can. It, I talk a lot of, on this podcast about stoicism, and and I like to sort of. Uh, share quotes of for Marcus Aurelius and all these guys on uh, on Instagram and stuff and and I found it really powerful during during the lockdown and they are they're all about controlling what you can control and and not worrying about anything outside of that but it's very it's very much easier said than done right and we all we all go through times when we completely let it slip yeah you know and I think um for me if I'm honest part of that was watching the news like um I realized very quickly that watching the news for me was not a good thing like, and I was becoming, um, like for someone who's never really been interested in, in, in politics or, or anything to do with the, 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 what you would normally watch on the news, you know, I was watching the news 10 hours a day, you know, flicking through news channels, trying to find some, you know, and I think, um, it was just not doing me very good. You know, so I was like, right, okay, that's the first thing to go, you know, so limit yourself to, um, to a certain amount of time when you can take on information and the rest of the time you deal with your life, you know, so, um. And um, that's so good. That's so true. Like, um, like, um, um, I, I've been reading some stoicism stuff as well, and um, and it kind of links in a lot with sobriety as well. You know, like the, the serenity prayer is, God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, and the courage to change the things I can, the wisdom to know the difference. And it was like that was something which kind of kind of keeps going over my head. You know, like it's like right, accept the things you cannot change, but have the courage to change the things you can. You know, so um, so that was kind of um um uh really important you know in the first two lockdowns and i kind of forgot that for a second and i was like right okay bang there we go yeah there we go yeah it's key to have those mantras to keep playing over isn't it yeah super so i want to i want to go back and I, I actually know very little about you your where you where you've come from your childhood anything sort of pre-busted as i said in the intro there you were very much um you and the guys from busted were very much a part of my teenage years uh, and I and I was a, a massive fan, still am. Um, but I was a massive fan when I was was growing up. Can you tell us a little bit about where you grew up, what your childhood was like, how you how you fell into this sort of creative pathway, and and how that led to you eventually forming Busted? Yes, yeah, so I grew I grew up in Surrey in um in a kind of um in a town called Molesey, and we kind of um we lived in. Did you really? Um, yeah, you know, yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah. I I I grew up in East Molesey. Oh, did you really? Oh, no way. All <laughs> yeah. oh, right. Okay, right. Cool. So we lived um, there. Um, yeah, that's crazy. So we lived on a council estate in Molesey and we kind of, um, we grew up there and it was kind of, you know, you know, it's kind of um, very normal kind of working class upbringing, you know, and um, I didn't really have any, any kind of dreams or aspirations of being anything more than what I saw on a day to day basis. And I think, um, and, you know, but I don't know what happened. I think um, basically at school, I wasn't very good. You know, for some reason, something didn't work. I, I wasn't like other kids, right? And I couldn't really, no one could work it out because I wasn't naughty, you know? And like, if you sat me down, if I was into something, I would be full steam ahead. Like you put something in, in front of me that I was interested in and I could hyper-focus and get really into it. Put, put something in front of me that I don't really care about and I had a real struggle retaining information. Kind of like school just didn't really work for me, you know, and kind of, um, but I found things that interested me, like um, like the school play happened. 
And um, and it was the first kind of chance that kind of like, you had to audition, you know, and I was kind of like, it was the first kind of thing that I kind of excelled at. And I was kind of found this kind of thing that, all right, I can, performance is something which I, which I really enjoy. And, um, and learning this and kind of going on stage after, after preparing something, I found really intriguing and really quite intoxicating. And, um, and, you know, and then music happened to my life, you know, and like, um, and, and really kind of, um, my brother was hugely into like punk music and rock music. And that was kind of a big part of our, of his, of his life. And, um, and, but I wasn't really allowed that because that was his thing, you know? So, um, right. so there was the, you know, you live in the room with your brother and, and, and you, and you, and, and you're, and like, don't, don't listen to the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Don't listen to Green Day. That's my thing. You know, you can have your own thing, you know, you can, you can have, you can have Britney. <laughs> exactly. You know, you know, um, um, you, you can have what you can have, but you can't have this, you know? And, um, and I think, but you know, it subtly went in, you know, and before I knew it, we'd started a band together with my brother's mate and me, my brother joined, you know, called Sabotage that we did in our room and we played punk covers of Green Day and Chili Peppers badly. And, and, you know, we, and, and that kind of, um, kind of formed this kind of love of music for me as well. You know, so, um, I think, but I think from an early age, you know, I'm, I'm not saying anything against my upbringing or I don't want to bring anything about my parenting or, or, or that into this, but from a very early age, I knew what the one thing I wanted to do was get away. You know, I wanted to get out. I wanted to. I wanted. To, I wanted to move away, get as far away from this as possible. You know, and I kind of had that urge in me. You know, and if that had been through hairdressing, anything, I would have done it. You know, like I mean, I just, I, I kind of like needed something to go. Boom, get me out of here. You know, and I kind of don't know whether that what that was, but I've always felt that. And that still drives me today in some weird way. I was thinking about it the other day, like I was, I was talking to um, um, my therapist and we were kind of talking that I had this fear of being back in that room, you know, like, and it's still kind of in me a little bit, but it drives me, you know, it's like, so I, I don't necessarily dislike that, you know, because there is still part of that, which I, you know, like I'm, I'm much more comfortable, much more um, um, happy in the place I am, you know, these days, but there is still part of me that dry, that is driven by the fear fear of failure you know which is um which is such a huge part of life and a huge part of everyone's life that happens again and again and again and again and again but I think um you know that that does drive me you know so um um so yeah I grew up there and and um and then uh, when I was about 14 I um my mum used to make me sing in talent competitions my mum became a little bit <laughs> right obsessed with um how i could sing right and so um so she um would drive me up and down the country um i say up and down the country within like an hour of our home yeah <laughs> you know and, Gil and we drive, to london <laughs> yeah exactly guilty to go to these kind of like i don't know what you'd even call them like when you win a trophy you know for singing in some competition in some you know small theater in some local town you know like um um, and there'd be like a, a winners of the region thing or whatever, you know, like, and I'd go into that and I'd sing and, you know, we'd do well in some of them and not well in the others, but my mum was really into it. Um, I hated doing it. I hate, hate, I used to get in the car at the weekend, just want to hang out with my mates. And like, it came to a point where I just said no, you know, like, but that took a while to kind of get to that point. But, um, but, um, but that was a big thing. And then we were at, um, at a Haven holiday camp and she, um, she made me do the talent competition there. And, um, and I was like, all right, cool, let's do it again. <laughs> you know, so I did the talent <laughs> show and I sung a song and I won. 
And it just so happened that someone that was there knew someone who worked at Sylvia Young Theatre School. And they were like, um, they were like, you should meet this guy because he's got like a musical that he wants people to sing on. I was like, okay, great. That sounds amazing. Oh my God, you know, someone that works in in this theatre school that I'd heard that like famous people went to when they were kids, you know. So like, um, and long story short, before I knew it, I ended up with a scholarship to Sylvia Young, you know, like through a various, various um, meetings and introductions, you know, and I kind of auditioned and then, and then I went to Sylvia's and my life changed. Like literally my life became, suddenly I could see possibilities, which I didn't really know existed. You know, I think when you come from a certain background and a certain place, you see a certain horizon and then suddenly my horizons became huge, you know, and like I could see people who were doing things and like, um, you know, like kids in my class, like, like, you know, in my class, Billy Piper left my class, like when she was 15 to become the biggest pop star in the country for a couple of years, you know, and I, yeah. I saw that happen to someone who I sat next to. And suddenly I could yeah. see this kind of like, oh my gosh, like this, and that kid's in EastEnders and that kid is Oliver in the West End, you know, like I was like, wow, this is like, you know, and I, and I, suddenly I was like, well, I could, I could actually do some of this stuff, you know, I could actually do something, you know, with this, with this thing that I enjoy, you know, and, um, and, uh, and it really kind of changed from there, really. Amazing. And I, I read somewhere that Amy Winehouse was, was there at the same yeah, time she as she was, as well, she was, she was, she was in my class for the whole time. Yeah, yeah she was, um, amazing she was a friend. Yeah, yeah, she was incredible. Very sad. Very sad. Yeah, very sad. Story. I mean, she was, um, she was amazing. You, you, you mentioned there at the start your, your, drive, your drive to get away. Is that, is that and, you, and you say it's still there now for you. Do you think that, do, is, is there a pull from the other side as well? Is there something that you think you're still trying to get to? I mean, you've had so much success in your career, but you're obviously still so driven. Is it, is it a drive away from failure or is there something that you see, are you more goal driven with, by something in the future, I guess? Well, I think it's different, right? Because with music, um, I don't really have that goal-driven attitude anymore. Like with music, music is much more of a passion that I love. Like with the band, I see Busted now, like we tour like every couple of years and we release an album, we love it and we have a great time and it means a lot to our fan base and it means a lot to us. But Busted is is now something which I don't know. I don't really feel like I have that much more to... I don't know. I don't. I don't have a point to prove with that anymore. Like we've kind of um, we we split up at the height of you know what you could be in the UK. We went off. We came back. We played arenas. We had a hit album. We had some songs on the radio. I'm like cool. I'm. I, I, I don't really know what else I really want to do with that. Do you know? Like um, yeah. Don't get me wrong. Like but but that doesn't stop me from wanting to do it because I love it. You know. So it's yeah. like, but am I goal driven there? No, I'm passion driven there. That's something which I do because I love it. It's like more like um like my number one job that I've ever had in my life has become my hobby and passion, <laughs> which yeah, is incredible. Awesome. You know, like that's so awesome. Yeah. And I have that in my pocket. And um and like whenever busted tour, it's just um it's just such a blessing. You know, I kind of look out to these people that kind of, you know, and I see this fan base that have followed us since we were, you know. 18 year old kids you know like um and me and me and james started this band in his bedroom when we were 16 we left school and started this band you know so it's kind of like and to i'm 37 now so it's been like 20 years of writing these songs like we wrote what i got to school for when we were 16 
you know, and I play that song in front of 20,000 people, you know, 60,000 people at a festival. And I'm like, wow, that's pretty amazing that this is still yeah. happening. You know, this shouldn't, know all really the words. <laughs> this shouldn't really still be happening, but for some reason it is, you know, so it's kind of the gift that keeps on giving and I, and I love it with all my heart. But, um, but acting has a different feeling for me like that. I feel like, um, I don't know, like I have this overwhelming, um, sense of need to get better, need to be better, need to be better, need to be better, you know? And like, um, but it's not to get anywhere. Like I have no, if, if I'm honest, like I don't have like, um, well, I'm, I think we can all sit down and I can go, well, Hollywood and movies and stuff like that. But that's not really, when I think about it, that is not actually anything to do with my goal. Like when I think about it, I just want to know, I just want to know that the work that I do is everything I possibly could make it, you know? And so that's, um, um, and I think that was a mindset change that came um, in a round of auditions of not getting the job, you know, which is something which as an actor, um, you have to get used to, right? Because you do hundreds of auditions a year if you're lucky. You know, if you're in a good, with a good agent, you kind of find yourself in a place where people want to see you. Like, like I did two self tapes this week, you know, like, um, you know, and at the moment because of lockdown, you're not going into the room, you're sending off tapes and you're recording them in your home. And, you know, so, and it's a constant like thing of recording, the, learning these lines, finding this character, recording this tape, sending it off, you know? And I think if you, um, for a while I get caught up in every job, you know, and I, I think about the job and I think about, oh my God, what if I get this? Oh my God, what would happen if I got this job? This would be amazing. You know, and then I didn't get it. And there's, there's this a bit of feeling of resentment and, 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 and neglect and, 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 and rejection. And, you know, it's, it's, it was a weird kind of cycle. Do you get much in the way of feedback on uh, rejection? Well, feed, with, with that well feedback's a difficult thing because, um, because, um, because with, um, sometimes with casting like I talked about this because I asked for I used to ask for feedback all the time and why what can I change what can I make better what are my tapes not good enough you know like my agent would go your tapes are great you know and um and I talked to a friend of mine who's a casting director <laughs> and she went what you don't understand is that we're looking for a specific thing and when that thing comes on the screen they've got the job you know that's what it is, right? Is they have something in their head that they're looking for and the director has too. They, the casting director picks up a few people that might fit that director's vision and sends them to the director. That's all it is. It's not about that you're terrible or you're, you're just not fitting the vision. And once suddenly you will, you know, or you'll get to a part in your life where you're lucky enough where people invent things for you you know that's what's happening to Hugh Jackman and, and those, those kind of people you know so it's um, um it's a process right so it's um but that kind of changed my thought pattern and I heard Brian Cranston talking about because Brian Cranston you know really you didn't really know him for years and years and years until he was a much older man but he'd been acting for years and there'd been 30 years of rejection 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 odd job here and there and um and he talked about it and he said that every audition is a chance to act and every audition is a chance to do what you love. Treat it like that. Don't think yeah. of it as a job because you're not going to get the job. <laughs> and he said, yeah. you're not going to get the job. So go in there and choose it and use it as a chance to do what you do. 
and to love what you do. And I was, I, I was something around those lines. I'm, I'm paraphrasing someone who said something incredible. Sorry, but yeah. <laughs> um, uh, but but the essence was that you know. And now I do like I really do like I'm. I have these auditions. And I'm like right, great. I get to play today. I get to act today. I get to be someone else. I get to invent someone new and put it on tape and send it away and forget about it. You know. And that's kind of yeah. where I am now with it. And it's um, and it's uh, it's a much more enjoyable experience. Yeah, I mean, it sounds so corny, doesn't it? Saying that it's all, it's all about the process. It's about the journey. It's not necessarily about that end point, but that genuinely is so true. I mean, I heard Johnny Wilkinson speaking about that recently on the on the High Performance podcast. Um, and you see it so often, don't you? And, and he struggled with this, I know, with the sort of gold medal syndrome where you people who, who hit that massive heights of, of success then get out the other side and, and they think, okay, I've done that now, now what? And if they're not enjoying the process and they're putting themselves through pain to get there, then it can all seem a little a little worthless, I guess. Yeah, and I suppose that must be so hard to look back and go, look what I put myself through and what did I get? You know, like, um, you know, um, like Jim Carrey said it, didn't he? Like um, um, Jim Carrey said, I hope that everybody gets rich and famous so that they can realise it's not what they're looking for. You know, and I was like, that's so brilliant because, um, you know, I thought that that was it. You know, like when when Busted started, especially, I was like, we just need to be famous and as big as we possibly can be. And, you know, sell out as many arenas as possible and everyone know our name, you know, and like that's what it was about. You know, then you get there and you realize it's not what you thought it was. You know, like um, it's awesome. Don't get me wrong. It's really cool, you know, but it doesn't make you happy like it's not that's not what happiness is like um yeah happiness is not you know i don't know i mean it might be fame and money to somebody else but it definitely wasn't for me when when did you realize that do you think like what stage um, did you get to did you did you hit a big high and then and then think oh this isn't I'm, I'm not there like where is it like did you go through that that personal growth at one stage i'm sure you did because i know you um, have done now but um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I mean, I've, I've been through it a few times, if I'm honest. Like, um, like I've been like, I just need to get this, just need to do this, and like I've done it, and I've gone, oh, actually, <laughs> no, I don't. I need to do this. You know, there's a new, there's a new goal, there's a new bench post, there's a new, there's a new something. There's always something more, you know. But, um, but that's part of goal setting, and you know, and and you know, like for me, like I have, I have two specific goals which I want to achieve with acting. You know, once I get to there, I will make some new ones, you know, but um, that's not the end goal. They're just my goals right now. Then I, I don't have an end goal because um, I think with acting, I would I would be setting myself up for too much. Like it's too, there's so many moving parts with acting. Like I find that if I said, I just need to do this, that's the end. I, I don't know what how I would deal with that, you know, like, um, so I have these, I have goals within three to five years that I'd like to be doing. And then I've done a few of those, a few of those in the last three to five years, I've had to reset them. You know, I'm like, right, okay, great. Done that. Boom. What do we do next? You know? And, um, and so that's what, um, that's where I am, you know, with, with goal setting, I can't really, I, I, I can't, you know, there is no end of the race, you know, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think it comes down again, as you say, to what we discussed at the beginning, controlling what you can control. If you if you try and lead out with your I mean, you can have a moonshot in mind, but if you try and lead out with that straight from the beginning, then 
you can't control all the variables to get you there i guess yeah totally you know like um you know i i, I know we, we we kind of listen to the same kind of stuff and read that and read the same kind of books you know so it's um um there there is you know you don't you know like um i, I love will smith so much like i've watched so much will smith stuff and um and yeah. especially recently like i find his um i just find his passion so endearing right now you know like um and he's such an inspiring man and he was kind of talking about how his father made him build a wall you know and, and how you start by one brick and you lay that one brick as perfectly as you possibly can then you lay the next brick and you lay it as perfectly as you possibly can and i see that as what i'm doing right now is i can't think about and also because because really everything i do is in front of a big crowd of people you know like so right now things aren't looking very good. So I can't think about that, you know, like, so, um, so yeah. I have to go, right, okay, what can I do right now? So everything I'm doing, I'm trying to make it to, to kind of lay as perfectly as I possibly can and then move on to the next one, you know, whether that be, you know, fill and empty the dishwasher, whatever that is. <laughs> I'm going to smash it. At the moment, I'm going <laughs> to smash the shit out of it. You know, like, <laughs> you know, and that's what's getting me through days sometimes. You know, yeah. like, I'm like, I'm like, right, I'm going to make the kitchen look absolutely bloody incredible. You I, know? Love, and like, I actually love that. <laughs> and sometimes that can be my, my, that can fill two hours of my day that actually can fill me with a sense of achievement. You know, like, so so at the moment, there's a moving goalpost, right? So if I haven't got anything else on, or I haven't got an audition, I haven't got a podcast, or I haven't got something else to kind of do, that can be like, right, okay, what can I achieve right now? Right, I can make this brilliant. You know, let's go, yeah. you know. And, um, and like yesterday, I went mountain biking with my kids. And we've recently got into um, mountain biking. I say mountain biking, like I'm with a, a nine-year-old and 11-year-old, you know, so it's like yeah. and sometimes I have my four-year-old in the seat behind my back. So we're not doing I saw extreme <laughs> off-roading or anything. But yeah. yesterday it was just me and my two eldest kids and we were in this kind of like really hard, quite a hard valley, you know, and there was this one like part where my son didn't want to go down. It was too scared. And I kind of like, um, I could see it in his face and I was like, you've got to do this. I thought to myself, mate, you, you know, I'm sorry. You know, I just, I just know that this is an important part of your life, <laughs> you know? And I, I felt this thing in me that became like, um, that I never really had, never had anyone like that to kind of, to show me from an early age that you can achieve much more than you think you can, you know? And the first time he fell, you know, the first time he went down it, he was scared and he put his feet down and fell. You know, then we got up, we talked about it. We went back to the top of the top of the ravine, you know, and we talked about it again and he did it. And he was so absolutely stoked and so over the moon. But but he didn't want to like he was too scared, you know, like, and the, and um, so in some ways I maybe forced him, which is a bit bad. But um, but but I just I, I don't know. At the time I was like, I, th I know that you need to achieve this because you need to know that what your your limiting beliefs are exactly that you know like and i think we all have that you know like i have that all the time you know i have this kind of little voice in my head that says don't get too above your station you're from a council flat you know you don't you know, i have this like little voice in my head that tells me these things and you know and sometimes i listen to it for too long you know and then i have to snap out of it and go no you know like let's let's go you know and yesterday I loved, I loved that moment with him, you know, of kind of going, right, okay, cool. No, you're going to do this. And, and, um, I mean, I don't know if he'll remember it in 10 years or not, but maybe he will, 
you know that's awesome mate I mean, that literally gave me goosebumps that's that is so so powerful and i think it's, it's it's so interesting to hear that that you still have that little voice in your head because you've you've been you've been smashing it for so many years now um and it, it's fascinating to hear that even after so much success that you still have that that little voice in the head saying you can't do that you can't go any further yeah, it's weird, isn't it? Like, um, um, you know, and sometimes I listen to it more than other times, you know, like, um, like, for instance, me and my friend, um, I had an idea for a for a film. And I was like, you know, like, um, like, this idea wouldn't go away. You know, and it kind of kept me kept thinking and kept thinking. And you know, and I've made a movie with a friend of mine who wrote the movie, directed the movie, produced the movie, did everything himself. And so um, me and him started talking about this idea, and we progressed it more. Before we know it, we've written something. You know, and like, I think that was kind of the thing. I was like, wow, I didn't know how to do any of that whatsoever before we started doing it, you know. And then, you know, but then neither does anybody, you know. And that, that was a really big moment for me. I was like, wow, no one knows how to do anything until they do it, you know. Like, and but like, until you actually go, okay, I'm gonna do this, or, you know, you're never gonna know the possibilities that you have, right? So, like, um, you know, with anything, with anything you want to achieve in life, you know, like until you commit and you do it, you know, you're always going to, you're always going to, I don't know. Like for me, I would always talk myself out of things. I'd always kind of go, you can't do that. You don't know what you're doing. Or you'll get found out, you know, yeah. like whatever it is. Imposter, you know, imposter little, syndrome. Imposter <laughs> syndrome slips in, you know, like don't, you know, you've, you've done really well so far. Don't fucking rock the boat. Don't fuck it you up. Know, like, <laughs> don't fuck it up. Exactly. All this kind of stuff comes into her head. And then you're just like, do you know what? No, like that's, you know, you know, like no one knows what they're doing until they do yeah. it, you know? And like, then you have plans, you know, and you know what they say about um, plans, <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. like people laugh when people make plans, you know, but like, um, you know, what is it um, that, that um, I don't want to talk about religion. I don't really believe in it, but there's a, but there's a good saying about God laughs when a man makes plans, you know? So it's, um, but you know, I, I believe that, um, I just have to put one foot in front of the other, and before I know it, things start to move. Things happen, you and know? that's where the and, um, that's where the real that's where the real joy comes as well. I find. I mean, in the last eighteen months, two years, I've launched a, a startup with Parlor, my my toothpaste brand. I've started this podcast, and both of those two things I've been thinking about probably for a year or two before I did them. Certainly, with yeah. starting my starting my own um, my own startup business. It's something that I've always wanted to do. And I've all, just like you with the movie, I've always had these ideas. Oh, should we try that? Like me and my brother tried uh, to make a protein fruit smoothie company about seven, seven or eight years ago. Um, and I've always been thinking, oh, let's try that. And then you see someone else do it. And you're like, oh, I literally had that idea and someone else has yeah. gone and done it. And it, it creates so much tension inside. And I can speak with 100% certainty now that I've, I've actually done these things. And it does, it pushes you so far out of your comfort zone. I mean, I knew nothing about e-commerce, direct to consumer. Uh, I knew nothing about running a podcast, buying all this gear and the mics and learning how to, how to interview, which I'm still very much learning. Um, but the joy and the fun that you get out of it and the buzz you get out the other side is um, that's what life's all about, I think. That's, it's, it's those moments that you really find joy, I think. Yeah, yeah, do you know what? You're so right because because um, because you know, your, your comfort zone is is comforting, but it's not rewarding. You know, like that's the yeah. difference, right? Is it's comfortable, but it's not rewarding. 
you know, like, um, but there's something about pushing past that, which can, um, like, for instance, right, I started a t-shirt brand a couple of years ago called Jerk, right? And I had this idea, um, you know, I'd sell these kind of t-shirts and I can, um, and that, that build up like a clothing brand. But to be honest, I didn't really care about it. You know, I did it because I saw other people in bands doing it and it doing quite well, right? That's not the reason to do something. You know, for me, it definitely wasn't. I saw other people doing it and then succeeding in it and thought I could probably do that, you know, but I don't really care about it, you know, and I'll kind of just make something happen. And before I knew it, there's lots of people who would like to make money from me doing that, you know, so before I knew it, I had a team of people and we had something going and boom, 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 you know, but the bottom line is I didn't care, you know, so if you don't care, it's never going to work, you know, you can't you know, what have you got to build on, you know, and I, I'm, you know, I said I didn't care. I liked the idea of it. I thought it was cool, you know, but really it was not, it's not a passion. It doesn't drive me. It doesn't get me up in the morning. I couldn't wait to have a jerk meeting. You know, I didn't care, you know, like, so it <laughs> sounds um, a bit weird. <laughs> I, I know it really does sound weird, right? Um, you know, but it was, um, uh, you know, and that, and that all came from, but the thing is that, that then again, that, that came because I had an idea, right, which was at the time I was hugely into CrossFit, right? So at the time I was going to make a sportswear brand, that was going to be a CrossFit brand called Jerk because there's a moving move called the Clean and Jerk, you know, which you use quite a lot. Yeah. It's going to be called Jerk. It's going to be for CrossFit CrossFitters. It was going to be a certain style, going to be very tattoo influenced, and it would. And that was my initial idea. But then I I turned that into a way which was easier because I saw people in bands selling T-shirts that were doing well. So I was like, no, I think I should turn it into that. It's much easier to do that you know, rather than do something which is out of my comfort zone. I don't really know much about that kind of world. I'll be stepping into a world where people do, you know. So that was exactly wrong, you know, like, so um, so really I should have done the bloody CrossFit brand, you know, and I would have loved it. Yeah. I would have been, you know, it would have been something which would have been passionate to me. But I tried to take the easy road and it failed, you know, and it failed and it ended up costing me money, you know. So it was like, um, it was um, it was a big learning point, you know. Yeah, uh, I don't know if you've read any of Jim Collins's stuff, but he talks about his hedgehog. I, I've spoken about it a few times on the um, on the podcast, but it's about finding your finding your your real dream job, your dream role, your purpose. And he talks about the three parts that make that up. One of them is something that drives your economic engine because it, it needs to make money if it's a business. The second thing is something that you're good at, and the third thing is something that you or something that you're best at the world at is, is something that he actually the way he phrases it. And then the third thing is something that that drives your passion and that you're really passionate about. And I think you need all three of those things to have a successful yeah. project. If you if you you're don't so have the right. passion and, and you're really good at it and it makes you money, well, that's not your hedgehog that's never going to make you that's never going to fill you with joy every day is it you're going to hate going to work yeah um, completely yeah and you've obviously oh got God, those with, so with, right. you, with your music and with with acting certainly i've got it with dentistry and and with my uh with parlor is something that and is started as a side hustle has now become something that i'm just incredibly passionate about yeah um especially after having kids and learning about the plastic crisis and all that sort of stuff um, yeah. But yeah, it's interesting, right? It's interesting. Yeah, it's really interesting. I'm going to go and check that out. You're going to have to go, tell me exactly what to read or what to listen to. So. Yeah, I will do. I will do. I've, yeah, I've got a bit yeah. of a pathological addiction to, to buying um, buying books that I hear about on podcasts now and then just not reading so them. I. Just having yeah. having them on the bookshelf. <laughs> and I feel like I'm um, going to absorb the knowledge by them just being in my house. <laughs> I have exactly the same problem. The good, the good, th the good thing for a while was audio books and driving. 
That was yeah. fantastic because suddenly these books that were on my bookshelf, which I never read, I listened to when I drove the car. Now I don't yeah. go anywhere. So, I, so I'm like, right, okay, cool. I need to find another way of resolving. I need to actually probably read these books. You know, yeah. Now's the time, yeah. right? Now's the time. Yeah, now is the time. Yeah. Brilliant. So I, I want to talk about quite a difficult topic now, uh, and, and it's something that that I read about while researching you. And as I say, feel free to go into it as much as you want to, but. I think it'll be really powerful for people to hear about your struggles, your tough times that you had after Busted with addiction, with alcohol and drugs and that sort of stuff. And the reason why I want to go into it is you're, so, you're like I, I only know you, I only know you now, like from mm. from uh, from the last couple of years. And you're such a well balanced individual, and you're so calm, and you have this really calm, almost non rock starry aura about you now, which is like yeah. that's the only only way I've ever known you. But I imagine. The, the busted times were pretty crazy and, and I'd love just to hear a bit about that transition and, and what you've learned from that whole that whole experience in your life yeah I think I think um to be honest it was it was happening from the age of uh, uh, for as, from as early as I can remember like I had this kind of inner battle you know like I mean the first time I drank I drank to oblivion you know like um and um, that was kind of an ongoing thing in my life, an ongoing theme, an ongoing escapism, an ongoing um, uh, drive to blackout, you know, like this kind of, um, there was some kind of pain that I didn't want to deal with, you know, so I wasn't prepared to go there, you know, and so I would do anything I possibly could to kind of get myself out of that, you know, and, um, and, 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 and feel something um, um, from an outside substance of some kind, something that changed my myself you know so change change the way i felt you know and um and i found multiple different things in life that changed the way i felt you know and um and um uh you know but but i don't really um i think a lot of people get confused sometimes when they hear um people within bands and stuff talk about this stuff because i would have been the same if i worked in tesco's i would have been the same if i worked in a bank i would have been the same if i worked anywhere it was me that was the problem not my atmosphere not my not where i was like um i remember when mcbusted started like pe um like a few people close to me were like are you gonna be all right like you can be okay going back into a band and going on tour and stuff again i was like dude i'm 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 a very different person to the person I was back then. You know, I've done a lot of work to get where I am today, you know, like, um, and I wasn't worried at all because it's like, it's, it wasn't the, it wasn't the band. It wasn't the, the end of the band. It wasn't the sadness, you know, it was the sadness, but, but that, but that spurred me to get worse and worse and worse at different points. But sometimes I'd be elated and I'd ruin things, you know, like, um, you know, like it was, it was something within me, which was, which was an innate, um, kind of um, uh, part of me that was unresolved, you know, like, um, and until I addressed that, until I looked and found out what that addict, what part of me was, what was causing that? Why am I, why have I got this hole that I try to fill with all these different things, you know, that, that is in this endless bottomless pit that won't take anything, you know, like, what is this, you know, until I find out that and until I look at that, and I'm still looking at that daily, you know, I, I have to deal with that guy who talks to me sometimes, you know, whispers in my ear, you should do that. And that looks really fun. You should try that. That looks really tasty, you know, but, or whatever it is, you know, like that this little guy in my ear, you know, I have to deal with that guy every day, you know, so, um, um, but I have ways to deal with him now, you know, and I have ways to kind of notice my behavior. 
And um, but it does creep up on me, and it really does, and it has a few times in this lockdown. Like, um, like um, I'm I'm really into nutrition and health and fitness and kind of like that's a big part of my life. And man, this lockdown, like from like like early December, my diet went out the window, my training went out the window, everything went out the window. Suddenly, I realized I was behaving very differently, and I was using something else, which was sugar and junk food and these things that I kind of like, I kind of would have on a cheat, the odd cheat day. The odd cheat day was every day, you know, like, and I was kind of using something else to change the way I felt. And, um, and normally people would go, dude, like, um, it's a pandemic, you know, take care of yourself. That's self-care. That's okay. It's not self-care for me. That's self-sabotage for me. That's not this. It's different for, because, because, and I think that's the, that's the, um, that's the mixed message I hear, right? I, it's a personal thing for me. Like that's, it's not self-care. Like it's, um, it's something else. I'm far, I'm using it for something that other people don't use it for, you know, which is, um, uh, I had to catch myself and, um, and, um, and I, but luckily, you know, that's the thing, like I'm in a very different place and I, and I have these tools I have learned over time with the help of other people to use to understand what is happening within my thinking and, and the way I can spin something and I can, I'm very crafty. I can, I can turn anything into what I want it to be, you know? So, um, you know, so, um, but I, but I have these, I have these amazing, yeah, absolutely. amazing uh, abilities to do that now. And can you, can you go a bit deeper into what those tools are? Is there, is there specific things? Is it, is it a mindset thing? Is it changing your physiological state? Like how, how do how do you control those those urges because i think i mean everyone everyone has them to a to a greater or lesser degree right so i think it'd be really powerful if if we could hear a few of those yeah um well for me i mean i i'm part of a um i mean the biggest thing you know was was stopping taking mind-altering substances of any kind you know i live a life of abstinence from those you know and um and i'm not to say that um and also i don't think about forever I think about per day and I have to, I have to keep it in the day, right? Because if I think about, um, well, actually now it doesn't bother me. The thought of not having a drink again, does I don't give a shit. Like I couldn't care less. You put a drink in front of me, I wouldn't drink it. I know what happens. I've done it multiple times. Doesn't bother me, you know, like, but, you know, um, you know, I can't really think about the future like that. So I keep everything in the day, you know? And so in the start of the day, um, I have certain things that I'm going to do that day. One of them is not take drugs and not drink alcohol, you know, and that is something which I'm not going to do that day. And then I get to the end of the day and I'm like, well done. You didn't drink alcohol or take drugs today. Well done, pat on the back. You know, then I go to bed, I rinse, repeat, start again. And do you know what? That works for years and years and years and years and years if you can do it right and you have the right tools around you to do that. And um, I'm part of a fellowship which... Um, uh, which has helped me learn those tools and there's steps and there's guidance that has, that has taught me some tools that I've used. And I've also used, I use some other tools from other people that I find influencing, you know, like um, I read some stuff by Dr. Gabba Mate, which was about addiction and kind of like who I found on the Tim Ferriss podcast. That blew me away. Like, and, but it's very different to the information that I was given at the fellowship that I'm in. So um, it's very, um, it's, um, but it's still really interesting, you know. And that, that's the thing. I'm not. I'm not dogmatic. I'm not part of a club. I'm. I'm very open to anyone's ideas, and I'm. I feel like um, a lot of people are much cleverer than me, you know. And so I'm willing to to listen to them, take them on board, and um, 
and get as much information as I can. Um, I try to, um, I try to not get too stressed. Stress doesn't work very well with me, which is very hard for me, you know, to not get too stressed. I have a very quick stress response and, um, and I'm trying to stop the, um, or to prolong the moment between thought and action, you know, um, which through mindfulness, meditation, all these kind of things, which I struggle with. Um, I've actually got something at the moment, which is incredible. It's, um, um, it's called, um, this is not an ad. Um, I just found this thing on Kickstarter years ago and found myself getting it delivered a few months ago. And it's, um, I struggle with meditation and I found this little device called Sensate and it's this little pebble that goes in your chest and it resonates through your chest bone and it stimulates your vagus nerve, which stops your fight or flight response. Um, over time, you can learn to train yourself yeah. to to um, to stop that reaction. Um, and the and the first time I used it, I had like a profound experience. Awesome. Like How do you spell that? Temp, um, sensei. It's S E N S A T E. Um, I think it's my sensei on internet. I'm not really sure, but um, but um, but dude, this thing is incredible. Like, um, I put it on for ten minutes, and I had like ten minutes I'll of check what it out. felt like the most intense meditation I'd ever had in my life. And I was like, that's in 10 minutes. I was like, wow, I've struggled to get 10 seconds before, you know? So anyway, this thing, you know, and it's, and, and so I'm constantly learning. I'm constantly trying to try new things and, <laughs> you know, to try and get a bit more Zen, you know, a bit more chill. Yeah. And um, because I've, I've learned that my stress response. <laughs> well, we all are, is, I think, aren't we? <laughs> it's not good for me. Yeah. You, you mentioned before there that, um, about your therapist, have you have have you had a therapist for a long time? Is it something that's been really powerful for you? For me, certainly, I'm I'm very very similar to you in many ways in that I'm awful with stress, um, and um, uh, my my emotional response to things is sometimes uh, over the top, one way or the other, and I'm trying to sort of bring everything down to the middle a little bit. But it's, it, with me, it tends to be either I'm super pumped about something or I'm really worried about something. Um, so I've thought about therapy myself. Is it something that you found to be powerful for you? Um, yeah, I've been, I've been, um, I've been fortunate enough to have a few different kind of um, big influential people in my life in the form of therapists. You know, I've kind of talked through, you know, some trauma and some some parts of my life that you know um, that were uncomfortable to go to. But you know, my God, is it? The best thing I ever did, you know. Like, I mean, um, I think, I think, I think there's something about men and therapy which doesn't sit well, you know. Like, um, I'm not sure what that is. Like, for me, I felt uncomfortable. I was embarrassed. I didn't tell anybody I had a therapist for years, you know. But I was getting so many benefits from it. I was like, why am I not telling every guy that I see that, like, dude, there's, there's like, we should be talking more, more, you know. Like, it's really doing me a lot of good, you know. And um, you know, I'm finding the right one. I'm sure is difficult, and and. You know, not everyone can afford that. And I, I, I get that, you know, there are ways to go around that for the NHS and kind of find different things like that. But, um, but for me, um, with drug addiction, that was, um, that was a big thing, you know, coming out of that and finding out why, you know, why you maybe react the way you do. Um, um, and finding out ways to kind of, um, to deal with parts of yourself that you weren't willing to look at was another one, you know, and, um, you know, um, but it's um and and also just having someone to talk to sometimes about stuff that you necessarily don't want to say out loud, 
you know, like sometimes or, or you know, or whatever. It's been a, it's been a it's been a really powerful thing for me. But um, but looking inwards and, and having someone there at certain points to guide you through this um, self-reflection, you know, like um, uh, has been incredible. You know, I, I really encourage, you know, sometimes um, like my la like the last person I went to, you know, um, who I'm with now, I don't really have any reason to go. You know, it's just like, I don't really, I don't really have anything to say, <laughs> you know, like, um, you know, like I felt like I didn't really need it, but, but for some reason <laughs> I found myself, found myself at someone's door, you know, and before I knew it, this person has had the most profound experience with me, you know, like, so, so I went to her at a moment where I didn't feel I needed it. And I had something that has made more sense than ever, you know, so it's, um, you know, it's, um, it's, it's like, um, it's sometimes it's like, uh, you know, it's like, it's like prehab, right? So it's like, it's like, it's like do the warm up so you don't hurt yourself in the run. You know, sometimes for me, I think therapy is a bit like that. You know, like, um, I think all these things are a bit like that. You know, I'm really scared of hurting myself in the big event, you know, so I do certain things so I, I can balance myself a little bit more. And therapy has been a big part of that. You know, um, um, I've had a few different styles in the past, but they all, you know, talking works, man. It's a big, it's a big thing, big part of my life. Yeah, absolutely. I think I completely agree. I think, and this is why I, I keep on saying this. I had um, Jim Chapman on the podcast um, and he said exactly the same thing. He said he basically tells all of his mates to go to a therapist, whether they feel happy, they feel sad, whatever it is, because it is just like going to the gym. You, you go to the gym, you exercise, you work out so you're in good shape so that, you you you're ready to go when the when the moment uh, arrives, and I think we're all going to go through negative life events um, at different periods in our life. That's one of the only things that's guaranteed. Um, and I think the more mindsets and structures and and the more control you have over your mind state, the better. I think that's what that's what scares me. Is I'm, I feel so grateful for everything I have in my life right now, but I'm just waiting for that phone call that's just going to knock me out of the park and. Uh, and I think maybe yeah. some some prehab therapy might help with that. <laughs> um, I, I want to talk a bit now about um, uh, about how you juggle. And this is a very selfish question because I have a child. And I have another one soon to be on the way. How you juggle your your family life? And I know obviously both you and your wife Emma both really really uh, successful careers, very busy careers. How do you balance all of that? Your career, Emma's career, being a parent spending time with each other with with the the successful nature of of your jobs um yeah i mean that's um that's been something which is um which is adjusted through time you know and there's been um there's been moments when both of us have been busier than we would necessarily have liked to have been you know and there's been moments when we've not been you know there's been moments of my career when i've been very quiet you know and like and the same when when I think when me and Emma first got in our relationship, you know, we kind of um, um, there was moments of time when she had the same patterns, you know. So it was um, it's but life is like that, right? And I think you deal with things as they come up, you know. the The thing is, right, is that number like I can I can speak for myself and I can speak a little bit for Emma, but like number one, we're parents, you know. And I think that was um, like I never knew. I wanted to be anything in life apart from a father. You know, when I think about it, all I ever really knew, I ever really wanted to be was a dad, you know? So 
I am so fortunate to have this experience, you know, so I'm not going to, I'm going to try really hard not to fuck it up, <laughs> you know, so because um, it means so much to me and these little people mean so much to me, you know, so it's, um, so first and foremost, that's, that's what we are, right? So that comes before everything, you know, and, um, and family first, right? So it's, um, that, that comes before every decision we make. But then, you know, we, we both, we both have um, an understanding that, our careers are not solid you know so that so many moving parts to both of our careers that when something comes along that feels like a good opportunity you should probably take that you know and um and then if there's something comes along or if it feels too much we can address something you know but we but we don't um we we we, we always follow the opportunity until we think and and then and then and then we'll we'll address how we're going to deal with it at different points you know um like luckily you know for me it's been more about the time i've been away touring over the years i mean that's been the that's been the hardest thing for for us i think was was the um the amount of time that a band can sometimes be on the road has been tough you know i mean emma's really busy but she gets to come home you know so it's there's something about daddy being away which was um which was problematic, I think. And so, so luckily, we, um, I know that and I noticed that. And, um, and, you know, I don't want to be an absent father, you know, like, so, I'm, so I'm, I'm very aware of how I structure that. So suddenly we had a rule that I would never be away for more than three weeks. You know, so, um, so whatever happened with touring, whenever I was away for more than three weeks, um, Emma felt it in the kids, you know. So we were like, right, okay, I will never be away for more than three weeks. You know, so three weeks is our, is is the time that I can be away. Then I have to be, they have to be with me, or I have to be with them, or we have to be in physical contact with each other. Um, anything more than that, and you can see and feel a distance. You know, so um, so that was um, and there's only been, only been one time in the last kind of ten years where we've had to kind of go, I can't not do this. You know, and that was what with the McBusted tour, with we were on tour with One Direction, and we were away for like. I think it was 60 days or something at one point. And, um, and that was really hard. You know, that was really hard because I was in Australia as well. So it's really far away, you know, and it was a really, um, but it was an opportunity, which at the time I had so many other people involved. And for me to have said no would have cost so many other people the opportunity. So we had to talk about that as a family and where to make the decision. And we did, and we, and, and we went through it. And then we, um, we realized that it was really hard, you know, so, so um, I won't do that again. You know, I'm now at a position in my life where I'm like, right, okay, we, we know <laughs> that if if we're away for a for a, for longer than we want to be, it's uncomfortable for the for the family and, and and Emma as well. You know, like, but but luckily she always with her work, she's always away for short periods of time. You know, so um, I know I've just got a part in a show that is going on tour later this year. You know, and it's a show that I've always dreamed of being a part of. You know, and, um, oh, and I'm lucky and lucky enough to have got the role, and um, and we're on tour. Hopefully, you know, if um, if everything goes well later in the year, you know, so um, um, that will be. But I've worked out the tour. We've looked at it. We've mapped it all out. We've looked at every date, and we're like, right. So you're home here. You're home here. You're home here. You're home for two weeks here. You come home on this night and go away this night. You know, that's how we work. You know, so so we have to have some kind of structure. Um, otherwise. Um, I don't know, you know, you never want to look back and go, oh man, I wish I hadn't done that, you know, um, 
you know, I, n I never want to think that, you know, like, um, so we try to do everything we can to, to make sure it doesn't happen. It's a delicate balance between uh, between that feeling and between, as you say, not being there. Right? It's um, that's the difficulty with being a parent. And, and and also, you know, it's um, it's a delicate balance between following your passion, and knowing you have a responsibility somewhere else. You know, so that is something which you have to kind of understand as a parent that whatever you, whatever drive you have, whatever passion you have, whatever, you know, for, that look. I'm, I'm saying that I know nothing about anybody else. This is me personally. I shouldn't speak for anybody else. But for me, like whatever drive I have, whatever whatever kind of like, oh my God, that's what I need to be doing. There's where I need to go. That's what I need to do. Without this, I'm nothing, you know, and I'm completely alone. And I'm like, this is my number one priority. So I will always um, make that my number one priority, you know, but, um, but it's a struggle. You know, sometimes you're busier than other times. And sometimes you you have to go, I just need some time with, with my family, you know, or my, do you know what? Sometimes I just need some time with my wife, you know? <laughs> you know, that comes across for every relationship, yeah. I think. It's like, yeah, just need a weekend sure. away, just me and you, you know? And we, and we take them, we, we take date nights, we, we do, you know, weekends away when we can, you know, like, I mean, it's um it's been a big part of our marriage for, you know, for, for the last kind of, 13 years or whatever you know it's kind of been been a being able to know that we need time to just be a couple as well as being parents as well as being on the telly and being in a band and doing this stuff we also need to be these two people as well yeah absolutely me, me and megs have we 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 park time we literally write it into the calendar on a on a week by week month by month basis as to when we're going to have time and it, it sounds very contrived and very probably overly structured but if you don't do that it's so easy to be whipped away especially when you've got kids because as you say you might you might be in the same place but if you're managing the kids and, and that sort of thing then you're not necessarily having that that quality time which I think is um is so important because you see so many people get to the end of their um the end of their kids teenage years when they and their kids move away from the house and then suddenly they get divorced because they haven't had a relationship for the last 20 years yeah i think that's so that's so apparent you know and um and i think that's amazing that you block it in i think it's incredible because we do you know like um and we have to because also there's a commitment made yeah. there like there's a commitment between the two of you right so um and you've made a commitment and um and you know that's in, that's a really important part of our marriage you know is our commitment to each other so like we will put something in and that's our commitment whatever happens nothing gets in the way of that you know and like sometimes something will come up and we'll have to talk yeah. about it you know but like very rarely will anything be more important than that because we both know <laughs> how important that is you know for sure and i mean I, structure i think is something that you've mentioned a few times today do you have um and we mentioned this before the call do you have a, a structure to your days i know it's probably a bit different at the moment but for example in your when you wake up in the morning do you have a set structure a routine of the way that you do things um can you talk to that at all I've got, um, I've had different periods of my life where I've needed different structures, you know, like, and I, and, I, and I have certain periods of my life when I know I need to get more of a certain thing going on, you know, like I don't have a set morning routine right now, which is, um, which is something which kind of went out the window in the second lockdown. I kind of stopped. Um, I used to get up right at, um, at 5.45 and I used to get on the, we both have the Peloton bike, you know, which can become a big part of your life, <laughs> you know. And um, and we used to, and I used to get up at five forty-five, get on this bike, and 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 work out, and then have my shower, finish with the cold shower, 
have a coffee, get the kids up. You know, that used to be my morning routine, right? But that was when the kids had to go to school at a certain time and they had to be dressed and fed. And, you know, that doesn't need to happen anymore. They're at home right now. So, um, so, um, uh, and also I don't have to go to bed earlier than everyone else because I have to be prepared for my morning, you know? So it's, um, uh, that kind of went out the window. And now we're kind of, we're kind of in this different part now where we're kind of freeballing things, but I do make time for myself every day. And I think that's, um, that's not selfish. That's, um, that's needed, you know, because otherwise, um, um, I can become all over the place, you know? So I need to set aside, even if it's 10 minutes, you know, but, um, I work out most days now, you know, because that's something which I find changes my, my inner chatter, you know, and kind of silences that a little bit. And, um, and I, I find out that I find that I, I need to do some kind of movement, some kind of exercise per day, and it helps me. Um, but that's, um, that's something which I fit into every day. Um, some kind of moment of stillness I feel into every day and whatever that may be. And, um, and you know, good coffee. God, I love coffee. <laughs> what, what coffee do you have? Give us your, your coffee, uh, your coffee recommendations. Um, Cause I, I've got a bean to cut machine myself. So, uh, if you've got any good beans, let me know. <laughs> all right. Okay, yeah. I'm a workshop, um, bean snob now. That's kind of become my, my go-to. I have like, um, I have them, they get delivered every week, you know, like, so I've got like a subscription service now because I, I, I hated work like finishing them. You know, like, and, and having to find or go to somewhere else and not have the beans that I love. You know, so now they've got a subscription. So it comes in every every week, which is really handy. So just try that. So is, is Workshop the brand? Workshop is the brand. Yeah, Workshop Coffee. They've got coffee shops in London. And I've always kind of navigated towards their coffee shops whenever I'm in town because they have the best Cortado. And it's just the, the one I go to. Um, uh, you know, I sometimes... Um, I sometimes will go to somewhere else or like I have this little app called Coffee in Touch. I'm a bit of a snob when it comes to coffee. You know, so I'll search out good coffee. Like if it's worth <laughs> going for, I will go find it, you know. But um, yeah. but Workshop was always a place where I would look for and it was always my go-to. You know, they've got some great coffee shops. So I would always, and now I have a subscription with them and they send me coffee every week. Um, you know, and it's, um, it's worth the money. It's great. Brilliant. That's, that's definitely my next subscription then. <laughs> yeah. I'll sign up to that after the call. Okay. All right, Matt, I, I want to I, I finish um, with the question that I ask everyone um, at the end of the podcast, which is, what is the one small change that you've made in your life that you wish you made 10, 20, 30 years earlier? I mean, I mean the one that comes to obvious mind would be um to stop drinking you know and to stop using but um i actually don't think that's true because i don't regret a thing you know i look back at my life and it needed to happen like because it's led to me being the man i am today so i don't really regret those things i've done things when i've been under the influence that i regret and i'm sorry for and i've made amends for those things but i don't regret being the person I am today because of the things that I've done in the past. So, um, uh, you know, if I could tell myself something earlier, it'd probably be to talk to someone, you know, because you don't understand your own head. And you know what, like my first, the, th the first ever person I went to as a, like to a professional therapist, um, said, Matt, never go inside your own head without an adult present. And I stick by that. 
(laughs) (laughs) That's brilliant. I love that. Awesome, mate. Well, Matt, thank you so much for today. It's been um, it's been a, an awesome chat. I've I've really really loved it. Um, I think there's there's so many so many pieces of value to be taken from that. Such an interesting story, and um, can't wait to hear more about these um, these projects and this this tour you've got coming up later on in 2021. Um, and yeah, hopefully hopefully see you on stage either um, either playing playing with the band or um, or at the theatre when we can all get back to normality. Oh my God, I can't wait for those days. Here we go. They're coming, they're coming. They're definitely coming. Great. Okay, thanks a lot, mate. Catch you later. Thanks, mate. Bye-bye. Hi, guys. Simon again here. Just one more thing before you guys go. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. I really hope it gave you an immense amount of value. If I could ask just one thing of you all, please subscribe to the podcast. Please share it. Please write a review if you enjoyed it. Please talk to your friends about it. The bigger the podcast gets, the better the guests I can get on and the more value I can give back to you all. So that's it from me. I'll see you on the next one. And until next time, enjoy the ride.